Hey man, welcome to the Danger Room. It's the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. My name's Dave. Dave's not here right now. I don't know what that's from. Oh. But we're here to discuss the Uncanny X-Men number 187, the November 1984 issue on sale August 7th of 1984 with a cover price of 60 cents. This one's titled Wraith Kill Man. And It's it's all it's all one word too. Wraith kill. It's a stupid title. Wraith kill. It's the new dance that all the kids are doing. <laughs> Sounds like a designer drug. Hey man, did you try the latest wraith kill? <laughs> I got yeah. so high off of wraith kill the other day. Would that be as bad as death sticks from Star Wars? No. Oh, okay. Nothing is as bad as death sticks from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. That's what they were called, right? Death sticks? Yeah, which, I mean, you know, I guess it's funny. Oh, it wasn't funny. Because let's call it what it is. <laughs> you want some death sticks? No. You, you don't want to sell me death sticks. You're going to go home and rethink your life. All right, is I guess that... Is the force that powerful? Come on. I guess that part might have been... Well, that, that was in uh, episode two, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah, my my least favorite of the prequilogy. Me too. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, cool. Well, yeah, it, on the cover of this, it's it's markedly different than last week, uh, but you've got Storm either turning into a wraith or a wraith turning into Storm, one of the two. I think that it's Storm turning into a wraith. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. Behind her on her uh, on her left, I guess, or right, rather, it looks like there is a um, hobgoblin. I don't know who he is, but... He's there. Yeah, it does look like Hobgoblin. Um, we'll find out. Colossus is in the background. He's being tackled by a couple wraith, and uh, uh, Rogue is being shot at by some pterodactyls. Yeah, they have names. I forget what they are. Do you think one of them is Nightcrawler's pet, Terry, the pterodactyl? <laughs> Terry wants revenge. <laughs> Why have you forsaken Terry? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's it's not a great cover, in my opinion. It, I like the does like uh, JRJR's John Romita Jr.'s design for the the wraith dire wraiths. Mm-hmm. I like all these lines. It's very it's very John Romita Jr. This is like eventually he would adapt this design to everything. <laughs> Spider Man would have this many lines. Yeah, no, no, the wraith himself or herself or whatever behind Rogue is fine. I just I don't know the I just Storm. don't. Storm's not good. Um, I don't know. The contrasting between the foreground and the background, it just kind of looks hastily thrown together, in my opinion. Yeah, he probably put all the detail into the diary. And he's like, crap, I got to draw Storm and some other X-Men? Let me just whip this thing out. <laughs> and Hobgoblin. I'm going to put Hobgoblin in here. Yeah, so let's, uh, let's open this thing up. It is uh, Chris Claremont is writing. John Romita Jr. is the artist, along with Dan Green. Tom Orzakowski's lettering. Glennis Ween is the colors. And Nascente is the editor. And Heem 
Shooter is editing in chiefing. Aurora is uh, this takes place maybe maybe minutes or hours or well probably more like half half hours. Uh, right after the last issue, she's left. She's gone all the way down the skyscraper of 555 Eagle Plaza. It's still raining, and she's on her way out. Yeah, their last fight, I guess, was on a balcony, right? Yeah, so okay. she had to she had to go down the elevator, and she had to find this cool green jacket too. Yeah, yeah. All right, I'll give you the thirty minutes. She's rifling through Forge's stuff to find the jacket, and then she's like, "Where the heck's the front door?" and all sorts of other challenges. But yes, it's still raining out. She's she's walking away. Uh, it looks like it's cold because we can see her breath. Uh, and as she's walking away. There's a fizzle and a crackle that she doesn't see, uh, and it's a dire wraith materializing inside of Eagle Plaza. But this was just a, uh, a, a scout, a pawn, if you will, because out comes Forge's machinery and just blows this dire wraith up. Is this the first? Well, we've seen the dire wraith before. I know we saw it a couple issues ago, and they were like, but what was the first appearance of the dire wraith in this X-Men continuity? Well, the first mention was like 185 when Valerie Cooper sees the gun. Uh, but so the, the idea that we're getting here is that there's an ongoing battle between S.H.I.E.L.D. and dire wraiths. Not even really S.H.I.E.L.D., but the United States government, because I don't think shield gets mentioned really we just know that valerie cooper uh needs something well maybe shield does get mentioned but yeah we they, right we're not directly seeing this ongoing battle but uh i guess we're feeling ripples of it in the x-men this is what's going on in the marvel universe right now rom is spilling over okay is it, it like is this happening in the avengers as well or the- i have no idea that's a good question it's definitely not happening in any of the other well so i was gonna say it's not happening in any of the supplemental reading but actually it is quite a bit but they're all they're all mutant related so it's hard to say okay so uh yeah the diorath is blown away by forge's guns storm turns around uh and she she sees i guess a group of people gathering in front of eagle plaza as well as she hears an alarm Kalingalingalingalingalingalingaling. She thought she heard a scream, but eh, it could have been the wind. You never know. So we zoom in onto the crowd of people. There's like six or seven people, and uh, it's a supposed uh, inspector, FBI. Uh, inspector Mathis, FBI. So she's saying that she's Inspector Mathis, FBI. Uh, did, so the guard that is. A, Going to the door apparently also did not see the dire wraith, and there is apparently also no debris. Yeah, it's it's a little weird. First of all, I was a little surprised. Like, why does Forge have a like a rent a cop? He's got a whole rent a cop service. <laughs> I mean, if he's got like automated guns and sensors and and whatnot, why would he have use for this old man? Well, he wants to, you know, help the economy and keep jobs alive so oh, okay fair enough he's got a, he's got a security task force okay you know the mainly their job is making sure that all of his gizmos and gadgets are still running but you know he so, feels good how he feels good about himself so inspector mathis of the fbi says that they're assigned to protect forge and uh the rent-a-cop guy is like all right well come on in it's crazy out there it's all wild and rainy and oh my god you're turning into a dire wraith did you see that the door says forge? Uh, yes, which is weird because it's on the inside of the door. So every time forge leaves, he's like, yeah, that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I'm, I'm him. 
He's me. Are you sure that's not on the outside of the door and the door is just open? Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't really Although, know. The perspective is really weird here because the door is open. It almost looks, don't look like they would be swinging doors either. They look like they're sliding doors. So, yeah, you're right. They're totally sliding doors, yeah. Otherwise, the door is opened and the forge sign is just hanging above this diorite's head. And that doesn't make any sense. So they're sliding doors that just say forge. You know, it's a weird thing to put on a door. Especially the inside. Like, I can understand if it was the outside because you'd be like, oh, this is Forge's tower. But now you're looking at it and you're like, that's Forge backwards. What does that mean? <laughs> Anyways, the Dire Wraith, he uh, sticks his little tendril tongue out into the security guard's forehead and uh, basically absorbs his likeness. So his security guard, as we saw last issue, dissolves into nothingness but his clothes and the dire wraith transforms into that person's appearance. Interestingly enough, uh, he, the dire wraith turns into the security guard wearing clothes, even though the security guard is kind of turned into dust inside of his clothes. So, yeah, it's it's, it's odd. But eh, they're aliens or whatever. It's a super handy power. I mean, that begs the question, like, and I think we can see because he's got a gun in his holster. Did Was he able to, like, absorb and create that, turn into no, that's that? A good, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. In the, in the movie of this episode, would Stan Lee play this guy? Uh, he has had a page and a half, so I don't think so. Too much. Yeah, yeah. Plus, we've never seen Stan Lee actually do anything. Well, he saved one of the kids in in the Spider-Man movie, remember? Right, but like he's never he's never died. That's well, that's a good point. <clears throat> Can you imagine? You don't want to kill Stanley in your movie. That would be terrible. When I saw Stanley, somebody at, in the audience asked him, uh, if you were going to die tonight, what would you say?" <laughs> That is a terrible, terrible question to ask an old, old man. That's horrible. It was the <laughs> worst question ever. But to his credit, his answer was perfect. He said, bye. <laughs> well, it would have been better if you would have said it Excelsior. But but yeah, bye, bye is a pretty good answer as well. Um, yeah, but the first problem with the question is Stan Lee will never die. That's true. He's, a, he's immortal. He is retiring this year, though. Oh, my God, really? His last, well, he's retiring from conventions. His last convention is at the end of this year in Toronto. I imagine. I mean, that's probably uh, wearing in on him, especially at that age, all the traveling. and oh, yeah. It's probably 16 to 18-hour days of speaking and panels and signing and, yeah. Kevin Smith is also going to be at that con. I wonder if he's going to host the farewell Stan Lee thing. From what I understand, Stan Lee thinks quite highly of Kevin Smith, so uh, I would imagine so. I'll be there. Yeah? I think so. Cool. You'll have to, remember, you have to get Stan Lee to say something about the danger room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we need to take up like a donation to, to pay for the, the speaking piece or whatever? Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> we're, we're doing a pledge drive. We Mr. Get... Stan Lee, our fans have provided this $50 for you to speak and give us a opening for our show. Literally, all you have to say is the word danger room. That's it. Nothing else. <laughs> All right. So anyways, uh, the cop here, the rent-a-cop who is a dire wraith, he sits down at a console to call up to Forge to just let him know that uh, there's been a couple of false alarms. There's nothing to worry about. Uh, he's going to he's gonna go find the bug in the system. Forge is like, all right, thanks, Joe. Keep me posted. And that's when the rent-a-cop 
lets these other people in, who I guess we could probably assume are also diorates. Well, in fact, he says, go get Forge, my sisters. So the Inspector Mathis transformed back into a diorate and then retransformed into the security guard. Uh, yes. Why didn't they just have a different diorate transform into, I don't know, they, 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 they've got a plan. Why should I nitpick it? <laughs> I, I don't know. Yes, the diorates have a plan. They, they, they only needed FBI Mathis to, to gain the trust of Joe. N now they need Joe to gain the trust of Forge. And really, now that this kind of radio call has been done... They could just dispose of Joe and go on to the next body. Diorates are pretty smart. Yeah. Storm is just standing in the rain, like, what am I? Oh, something's going on. Why do I care? She's she's clearly thinking something's happening, and she's thinking about going back, but, but nah, she's not going to go back. And that's when, from out of nowhere, a big orange diorate surprises her. Goddess. And uh, it it is going in with its tendril tongue to get her. And then Storm kicks her, and it says, this is not the best drawing, because her leg is, like, parallel to her head. <laughs> the top of her head, yeah. This is this is a crazy good high kick. I mean, she is flexible. Stevie Wonder has not been, or Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Stevie Wonder. <laughs> Stevie Hunter has not been letting up on, on these exercises with uh, Storm. Yeah, it's a very high kick. Uh, and she she realized that this this uh, person this thing must have a similar power to Rogue, uh, except that when it absorbs that person's abilities and, and and characteristics, the victim dies. So she runs back to Eagle Plaza, grabs a garbage can, and throws it through the window. Scrash. Yep. And uh, so she runs in. Uh, Dire Wraith runs in, and uh, she sees the uniform of the guard and a pile of dust. She realizes what happens, but she grabs the guard's gun and says, "You will not die unavenged, my friend!" And shoots the Dire Wraith four times in the stomach. Blam, 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 blam! Click. Your weapon is empty, the Dire Wraith says, and now he's going to go in to get that tasty, delicious life essence when he gets shot through the back of the head and the front of his head explodes in a gruesome explosion of Dire Wraith goo. Lands all over uh, Storm. And she's like, what? And it's a familiar Indian man we met a few issues ago whose name is Najay. She's got it on the back of her head. It's all drippy. It's gross. This is, I like this panel of, uh, well, yes, the drippy goo ooze on Storm's head. But then she's looking through the broken glass window and there's the silhouette of Najee and his pickup truck behind him. Mm -hmm. That's a good panel. It's very Terminator-esque. Terminator probably stole it from this comic book. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, yeah, there's there's some thank yous that go around, and, and he's like, yeah. Uh, I she uh, she mentions, she tells, she's, she kind of catches a Najee, Naze, whatever his name is. I'm going with Najee. I like that, too. <laughs> I, I, I think it's it's classy. I'm sure it's wrong. Uh, <laughs> um, she tells him what a diorath is and uh, who she is, and... Um, he says that this explains my dreams. He's a shaman. He dreamed last night that he saw an eagle fighting for his life atop his eerie, struck down by those who seemed to be trusted friends and yet were not. And she says the wraiths are shape stealers. And he says, ah, Roro forces the last best hope of my people and perhaps yours. He must be saved. So she picks up the phone and she dials the numbers. So maybe on her way out, Forge is like, if you ever come back, just dial these numbers and I'll answer the phone. 
It's probably dial. Just dial Forge. <laughs> There's probably a big button on the phone that says Forge. Probably. She pushes it. Forge here. Aurora, what good lord? And that's when uh, the diorathes who apparently are done with the bodies that they had to get into the building because they are back in diorath form. Um, they are attacking. Then another set of diorathes who are disguised as death wings, which um, they look- I learned... From an issue of Rom that they are, uh, uh, they're from the Diorath homeworld. Okay, they look like evil Lockheeds. Yeah, they do. They're all coming through the window, which I wonder why this plan needed to happen if they could just come in through the window. I don't know. And it doesn't even look like, are they coming through the window? Because it looks like they're coming through, like, like phasing through something. It's hard to tell because you never know in Forge's house. Right, right. They could be flying through an illusion for all we know. My feeling is that they are flying in through the glass. Okay. So it's too late. Najee's like, what do we do now? And uh, he's a he's a scrapper. Been a while since I was in a decent scrap. I'm long overdue. I have a friend who would consider you a man after his own heart. I wish he was here. We'll do fine, especially the way you shoot. And then we get a retcon. <laughs> It's just, yeah, I guess it's a retcon. Uh, Wolverine apparently at some point taught Storm how to shoot a gun. Now, which is interesting because we didn't even know that Wolverine knew how to shoot a gun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, why is he the guy that's training her on how, how to shoot a gun? I mean, I guess we know that he was part of like the Canadian Secret Service or something. Yeah, he was, or other, he was but... a secret agent man. So I guess so. We, we could assume that he's got some marksman training. But I, I know it to me this whole thing this is just two panels here but it just feels like they shoehorned this in to explain why storm can shoot a gun which i don't know i guess i almost wish that there this scene would have been of yukio and her shooting guns oh yeah that would have been smart that would have been made uh, way more sense right wild side because storm's not a gun person she's peaceful nature and all that sort of stuff why is she using a gun so they needed to come up with an explanation yukio's bad influence uh, but this just felt weird. And if they were going to go this route, it would have been nice if, you know, four or five issues ago, this scene could have happened in a comic book. You know, this stuff doesn't bother me. I, I'm, I am nitpicking, but it just shows that, I don't know, either uh, Dave, or not Dave Cock, uh, 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 John Romita Jr. just drew this, <laughs> and Chris is like, huh, all right, we'll throw <laughs> some words on top of it, or Chris really just wanted this to happen. I don't know. I guess, yeah, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. So now the, Shay's as they're going up the elevator says, you know, Forge and Storm says, yes. And she says, you do not like him. And she says, no. Yet here you are risking your life. She says she has her reasons. His fate. She thinks to herself, his fate is mine alone to decide until I have my vengeance. I will allow none to do him harm. And that is uh, the totality of their conversation about Forge. Keep that in mind. Okay. I may have missed something then, but can't wait to get to it. Yeah, so they climb into the elevator shaft. Um, I think Najee is going one way and Storm is going another way. Uh, she's lamenting the loss of her powers, but she'll deal. She'll deal. And here's where we get the hobgoblin creature. Uh, this is a demonic hellhound capable of disrupting the function of any machine or living being simply by phasing through it. So it's an evil kitty pride. Oh, I missed that. So I was wondering, because in the next panel, uh, Storm is just like bent over, you know, in the fetal position. Uh, yeah, and if she you, got phased through. If you look at it, it's kind of like, oh, she's claustrophobic. But mm. yeah, this, well, it's not right. The, the phasing guy did that to her. I missed that. Makes more sense this way. And phasing guy gets shot with Najee's uh, shotgun and dissolves. Hey, yeah. 
These creatures aren't as tough as they look. Easy for you to say. Again, Najee, I'm in your debt. Save Forge, woman. I'll consider us even. And then we get another attack from... I'm assuming it's it's either a dire wraith or it's another one of these hellhounds. Yeah, I don't know uh, what, but Storm goes falling backwards. Her leg gets caught on one of the elevator uh, wires, and so she's stuck upside down. But I'm going to say that this is being caused by whatever it is up there because this makes no sense. Not really. <laughs> Uh, Najee, he, he shoots upward, trying to get, I guess, the dire wraith, but I don't know what he's shooting at. Meanwhile, Storm is able to use her flexibility. I think she, is she going up? Yeah, she's being whisked up to the top of the elevator shaft, and, uh, she's probably going to hit the top and pancake. Yeah. But she manages to slip out of the, uh, the hold that it has on her, and she kind of rides it up and she says she feels so alive like that the same mad wondrous joy my friend Yukio feels to risk all against seemingly impossible odds and win and she manages to do a classic action movie type deal where she jumps off at the last second and grabs onto a girder and pulls herself up to safety and now she's made it up to the top floor what a ride I should have disposed of these shoes in the library or lobby. So she's running around in high heels uh, to, to make matters worse. So she kicks him off, I think, because she's going to go barefoot. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Najee, I think, has maybe gone up. Or no, maybe he was just hiding in the elevator waiting for the coast to become clear. Yeah, he just rode the elevator up. Either way, he... He took the slow way. He pops out, and uh, he's thinking to himself, oh, man, if I was 20 years younger, I'd not let a prize like Aurora slip through my fingers. I'd give my foster son a run for her heart. Okay, so we learn that Forge is his foster son. Mm -hmm. But now he kind of assumes that uh, he just kind of knows that Storm and Forge have a relationship. Uh... Yeah, I I think he says something further uh, mm. in the next page. But so he's he's like, I, I wouldn't let a girl like that slip through my fingers. So you can take that as not, you know, he doesn't necessarily know anything like what's going on. Right. Oh, but he also says, what that fool do to make her his enemy? And uh, they're not really enemies. He didn't get enough information to, to, to make this. Maybe. Yeah. Well, maybe he just knows his foster son. And maybe he knows that when women feel like this towards him, because it happens all the time, uh, he, he's gone and done some damn fool thing. So he's just assuming that, like, he must have uh, broke her heart or something. Exactly. And and, right. and in such a way that, that she wants to come back and beat him up. I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> So he's heading down the hall, <clears throat> hallway, uh, heads to a door, opens it up, and in an awesome frame, silhouetted once again with a red background, just fired, oh, unloads his shotgun into a bunch of, uh, well, at least one diorite. He can sense the diorites in the room, so he just fires, hoping to uh, hit them. He can't actually see them, and he does manage to hit them, and he shouts out, Hokake! Does that mean something? Uh, not to me. Okay. <laughs> I, I'm assuming it's a Indian tribal uh, call. So he says, be proud, my ancestors. Our numbers may be few, but our hearts are strong. Okay. okay. We will prevail. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, some sort of war cry, I would guess. but Or maybe it's, okay, key. That's what I thought. Okay, key. <laughs> like a really weird and 
poor way to say it. Okay. <laughs> so Storm, she opens up some doors and uh, it, there's a blizzard. This blizzard is never explained. She says, we are too far south. A tempest such as this should not even occur in midwinter. So is this like a reference to like, even though she doesn't have her powers, she still kind of has some sort of emotional control? Or un- lack of control over the weather? I have no idea. It's just... Because this is never really explained, and I I don't like things that aren't explained. <laughs> it was raining earlier, so maybe the temperature dropped, and that's the thing that's impossible because they're in Dallas. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just figured that maybe John Romita Jr. likes to draw snow. <laughs> and Chris Claremont called him on it. <laughs> I guess, yeah. It can't snow here. So, anyway, so she, uh, she's pushing her way through the snow when one of the diorates pops out and uses, I don't know, some sort of spell to try to stop her and pull her back. Yeah, it's some sort of psionic hands or uh, like uh, clasps or, or some sort of uh, iron things. I don't know. <laughs> yes. So she is crawling her way towards a fence. I don't, know, I don't even know where they are. Are they inside the building? No, she stepped outside. She's on, a, she's on a balcony again. Oh, okay. So she's crawling her way towards a fence because uh, she needs a weapon. And she, I guess it's construction equipment, and grabs herself a length of pipe. And she's able to hit another one of those hobgoblin demon things. Yeah, the diorate uh, also has a, a hellhound buddy. So he's keeping her trapped and the hellhound is going after her. Uh, her hands freeze to the metal girder that she picks up. Uh, she doesn't have much protection from the cold. She needs to get to shelter because she's, uh, she's freezing. And then the um, hellhound touches her uh, doing that phase thing and she freaks out and falls off the side of the building. She spreads her arms to catch the wind because that's what she used to do. And she realizes that she doesn't have any powers and then she gets lucky and a gust of wind casts her back onto the roof. Only to be scooped up by a freak gust and cast back onto the roof. So maybe we're trying to paint a picture that there's some like latent powers that she's just not aware of, or it just was a lucky gust of wind. One of the two. Dunno. My luck, it seems, uh, has not deserted me. So she's uh, she's back on the balcony. She's heading back towards the door, and the diorath grabs her by her back, but she's able to get herself loose. She gets in the door, slams the door shut, locking it, and the diorath starts pounding on the door, pounding and pounding and pounding and pounding until it qui- uh, quickly fades away. The diorath has frozen to death. That's grim. Yeah, and Storm sits there, and she's like, I have killed Without hesitation or mercy, Wolverine would be proud. Is this an ending? The farewells of the storm that was? Or my new beginning? Oh, oh! Would Wolverine have been proud? I don't know. I feel Uh, like Wolverine... I think this is like a a major misunderstanding of Wolverine on Storm's part. Yeah, he wouldn't be proud. He'd be like, I did what I needed to do. The sucker had to go. Right. Futzer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's when things go weird. Yeah, they don't. Uh... <laughs> I don't really know what happens here, Adam. So you and have they to... don't really explain it either. Um, there is Forge and Storm and Nage and a fourth presence, which I'm guessing might be a diorath, but I'm not really sure. Maybe we'll find out next issue. All psychically get connected. Right. Um, and then we cut over to Forge, who's having the same experience, presumably 
all four of these people are having the same experience where they're kind of reeling in pain, feeling each other's emotions. Um, and a bunch of diorites are sneaking up on Forge, but his uh, weapons, defensive weapons inside of his house kill all the diorites and all the dire birds and whatever. Yeah. The death swings. The penthouse gets sprayed with blasts. And that's when Storm shows up and says, where does she say it? She says something about what happened. Uh, and then Forge doesn't answer her. Oh, what just happened, Forge? Some entity bound us in, in, bound us in rapport, tried to drive us insane, I think, simply for the fun of it. Your guess is as good as mine. I doubt that. How naturally you lie. I should be used to that by now. He's think- kind of a liar pants. <laughs> he is. He uh, initially doesn't trust that this is actually Storm, but he pulls out his little analyzer or scanalyzer gun. Scanalyzer. (laughs) The scanalyzer confirms that she is, in fact, human, so that's when they carry on with their conversation. Uh, And apparently the scanalyzer is also a gun because as they're kind of arguing back and forth, she grabs the gun away from Storm and shoots it. I like this panel. It reminds me of Star Wars. Kind of, except... uh, uh, Storm is in the Luke position. Yeah, I feel like... Uh, or Han, maybe. One of the I feel two. like this is a direct quote from Star Wars or an homage. Could be. Uh, take cover, Zrak. And she misses shooting uh, the Deathwing. Despite our cloaking spells, the female sensed our presence. She must be eliminated. And uh, Forge thinks to himself that Aurora is no sorceress. How is she able to spot them? Ooh, maybe she has a little bit of sorceress in her. Hmm. This is something that never really goes anywhere, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, we've been we've been having sorceress storm off and on for quite a while now, but I think it, this may actually be like the last mention of it. I don't well, know. I'm sure it'll he'll place Claremont will probably try to shoehorn it in here and there, and we'll see. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Anyhow, uh, yeah. So. Uh, the one of the diorates gets close enough to storm to do like a hologram swap of the two of them yeah which why why do they need to absorb each other if they can just do this well this doesn't kill her no it doesn't so this is not ideal ideally he would just absorb her and stuff but he's not close enough so he's going to try to get forge to kill her thinking that uh that forge would not have noticed or, or well i guess forge didn't see the two of them swap right so the idea is that he's going to shoot the dire wraith thereby killing storm right so dire wraith storm is like forge that wraith tried to get me destroy her before she can cast a spell and forge says my pleasure and shoots storm which is shooting the dire wraith Storm was like, you knew the truth? Forge is like, yep. I had to call on a part of myself I denied for years, an ability I swore never to use again. But I figured you're worth it. Najay! So, uh, jumping forward. Yeah? They do, they, do, they do tell what this is. What? He, ha- he has a spirit sight. Oh. That shows the truth. Okay. Uh, versus illusions. I feel like that's an ability that also gets dropped. <laughs> But no, maybe not so much. I mean, I guess, is this a mutant ability or just like a sorcerer ability? Don't know. Okay. I could buy the sorcerer ability. I think, yeah, I think it's more of a spiritual thing because it's one of his Indian uh, heritage things that he's trying to squash. Is he from India, Adam? Sure. <laughs> I think you meant Native American. Okay, fine. <laughs> Did you know that I, I'm part Lakote? Are you? Yeah, I have a, a small amount of Lakote blood in me. 
Yeah. Yeah. So I can say what I want. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's our word. You can't uh, take that away from us. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they they all feared the worst about Najee and each other. A little bit of a homecoming here. And that's when Colossus and Rogue crash through the ceiling of Forge's building. Gangway, suckers! X-Men coming through! Colossus, Rogue! Forge is like, oh, come on, can't you use the door? Wanted to surprise y'all. Surprise y'all. Are you well, Aurora? And uh, yay, everybody's kind of happy again. But now they gotta they gotta finish this caper off. Uh, Storm asks how Rogue found them, and Rogue says, "I I had a little encounter with Valerie Cooper, Forge's boss." And Forge says, "I don't work for her." And Storm says, "Another lie." Lords of Earth and Air looks like they called up some reinforcements. So there's a whole bunch of dire wraiths and bird creatures in the room. And we find this is when Forge talks about his spirit sight, showing that there aren't actually that many of these aliens in the room. But they're uh, having the X-Men fight the fake ones in order to allow the real ones to sneak in on them. It's been too long since I used my own mystical abilities. They're too undependable. I don't dare risk it. I'll have to find some other way to combat their spells. There you go. It's a mystical ability. Sure. I like it. Meanwhile, Najee, he's he's in Forge's, he's in the eagle's nest, Forge's sanctum sanctorum, the seat and nexus of his might. Most impressive. His power is almost beyond comprehension. He's a fool to deny it. And I get a very, uh, I get a very impending sense from this, these, these, these three panels. It all of a sudden feels like Najee is a bad guy. Yes. But I guess we'll find out next issue. Maybe. I don't know. We might. One of the diorates heads towards Colossus, uh, sticks his little tendril towards Colossus's organic steel. Uh, we don't know if it would penetrate or not because Colossus also does a crazy high kick. <laughs> which, I mean, gauged on the height of the diorate and Colossus, this high kick also looks to be about the height of Colossus's head as well. <laughs> <laughs> so all of the X-Men are very flexible. Apparently. That panel of Storm, though, that was that was just not humanly possible. <laughs> <laughs> no, not unless you have stupid long legs. So they keep fighting. Storm's using her gun. Uh, Colossus says, Storm, why did you not simply generate a lightning bolt? You, Storm says, I, I don't have any powers. You cannot utilize powers, Colossus, that no longer exist. Rogue, which is a very long way of saying I ain't got no powers. Rogue thinks to herself, no, 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 that gun was meant for me. How could this happen? Also, it seems like the art style has changed here, doesn't it? It seems like all of a sudden we have a lot more hash marks. and John Romita Jr. got tired and Dan Green took over. It could be, because everything got a little, uh, I don't know, a little linier. I'm telling you, it's all the detail from drawing these diorates. <laughs> it's exactly what happened to the cover. <laughs> it just kind of ran out of steam. Crap, this book's due in like a day. <laughs> well, that's when Rom and uh, the Starshine Starshine show up. <laughs> yeah. And the diaries are like, oh, my God, no, it's Rom and Starshine. What are we going to do? But it turns out that they're just illusions and Forge tricked them and shoots the last remaining diaries. I guess there's only two. And they're like, yeah, we'll win. And that's when Forge says, perhaps, has anyone seen Najee? And then we see a little dialogue. Unnoticed, the fabric of reality tears wide and the battle is suddenly unexpectedly rejoined. Only this time it may be over before it's truly begun. And so 
the implication is that Najee did something to cause these little uh, black monster face creatures to come out of the wall. It's strange because I, this panel of Aurora's leg looks like a boot because she doesn't have any toes. But beyond that, it's a weird panel because it's just a panel of a leg with a little crack in the background. And then we zoom in on the crack and a hand, goopy hand ridges through the crack and then looks like a bunch of sperm come out of the wall. I honestly didn't catch that that was Storm's leg. I, I, I thought that that was Forge's big boot booted leg. I stared at that panel for a very long time trying to figure out what am I looking at? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you can see kind of a torn white frock above exactly. the leg. But the leg is also inked in such a way that there's a, a distinct line that looks like it, it could be the top of a really tall boot. It looks like a boot. Yeah. And if you don't notice the dress, it looks like a boot with that goes nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a boot that talks. Forge is talking boot. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these guys though are pretty cool looking, big big giant scary black goopy guys. They're like shadow monsters. Do you remember the Max? I never really read the Max. Oh, well, they remind me of the guys from the Max. Weren't there big smiley faces in the Max? Yeah, they they f- smiled frequently. Yeah. Uh, next issue is called Legacy of the Lost. Legacy of the Lost. So yeah. <laughs> So there you go. Uh, there I go. It's an okay issue. It was. Uh, it felt like they were trying for a really high action, high octane action adventure story, and uh, it didn't quite come off. I'm not really. Uh, I don't really care about the dire wraiths or how that story pans out. I was trying to remember. Like I was thinking back to all the stories. Like when I, because I've read all these issues, but I just don't remember this section of the x-men i don't remember these stories at all no because i think there's there's key points that have happened and will happen that you probably remember more so like uh rachel and what happens with scott and madeline and magneto and things of that nature but some of this i think we're just feeling the secret wars filler you think so i still think so because I mean, storm losing her powers is a critical thing and 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 we're pretty much past Secret Wars. It can't be Secret Wars filler anymore. You don't think so? Because they've already like has it been back? Has it been twelve issues? Or because it? No, no. Secret Wars is definitely still going. But right. but Secret Wars, they're back. They've they've gotten back. I know. Like, every they're moving forward. But is it that Chris Claremont doesn't exactly know? Like, uh, yeah, Storm's lost her powers. But uh, I guess I, I don't know. I don't know. It felt like a filler, and it kind of feels like a lot of these are filler but we already talked about like not bad filler but this was this was kind of on the low end of filler in my opinion uh yeah i i i think it's more of uh john ramita jr kind of finding his legs however important things are happening forge is an important character and developments here will carry forward Najee as well he continues to be a, a character storm lost her powers it's a big deal that that is a huge deal and that's certainly that's, not- that's a major plot point that isn't yeah. going to get resolved for another hundred issues about a long time yeah yeah uh spoilers though on the resolution adam maybe some of our listeners thought that there was no resolution oh whoops (laughs) because in marvel comics everything that happens is permanent right she dies (laughs) and she never comes back (laughs) yeah so we yeah we, we have no letters, fan mail, website, or Facebook, or iTunes stuff to discuss this week. Well, what if, what if 
if what if someone did want to do any of those things, how would they contact us? Well, what they would do is they could go over to www.xmenpodcast.com where all of the episodes are uh, available. You could post on your favorite episode or any episode. You can also visit us at facebook.com forward slash danger room podcast, or you can follow us on Twitter at danger room go, which by the way, Adam, uh, we've been tweeted at a bunch and I didn't realize that until recently. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> I I clicked the heart on a couple of those tweets. Hopefully that's a thing. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, keep keep tweeting at us and, and maybe we'll be retweeted. Yeah, I suppose if we get enough tweets, we'll have to do like a, a tweeter's corner segment. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, also, we're available on Stitcher. For your internet radio needs, you can email us at dangerroom at redcatproductions.com. We're also on iTunes, of course, for your iPod or your iPhone or iPad or whatever. Just go in there, go to the podcast section, type in Danger Room. We're the first one that shows up. Uh, 501-GET-X-MEN or 501-438-9636 to leave us a voice message. Uh, yeah, there you go. So many ways to get a hold of us. So many ways. <laughs> so many ways. Uh, Adam, did you do any additional reading? I did a lot of additional reading. I see that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This will go by pretty quickly, though, because I wrote all this down. Oh, good. I'm excited. So Alpha Flight number 16. Yes. Puck, Namor, and Marina are captured and fight the master of the world, seemingly defeating him. Um, Marina and Namor break up because even though Namor wants to get back together, Marina feels like she's a big old monster Um, because she goes crazy in this issue. Heather McDonald is recuperating in the hospital from having her legs all messed up, and she gets a visit from none other than Logan, which explains why he's currently not in the comic book. Um, He reveals that he knows Puck by reputation. Adam, this must be back when, like, people paid attention to where Wolverine was. Yeah, maybe. Instead of him just being everywhere. Before there was, like, Monday Avengers, <laughs> Tuesday X-Men. Um, so she says, you know, Puck Logan, I had no idea. And he's only by reputation, kid. Him and me almost crossed paths and swords when I was a government agent and he was an independent. Hmm. But he mainly came to see her and um, she, he, he's not, he doesn't care about government bozos and he knows that she just needs a friend. Aww. He's only there for a panel, but he'll be in the next issue too. Nice. In New Defenders 137, not much happens. The Defenders battle their buddy Gargoyle who was taken over by a Gnostic wizard, but they win. Okay. There's nothing really important that happens in that. In New Mutants Annual Number 1, the gang go to a Lina Cheney concert. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, uh, I always pronounced it Lila Cheney. Okay. But it's... That's, that's valid. No, it's it's wrong. Because as, as, I, as I was reading this, and I did read... I, well, I skimmed it. I kept reading her name as Lila Cheney, and I was like, well, wait a minute now. I believe that that is pronounced Cheney. Anyhow, carry on. Um, yeah, Dick Cheney. Well... Cheney's a pretty common name, just in general. Just don't know why I didn't make the connection until this point in my life that it's it's not Cheney. <laughs> so this is the first appearance of Lila Cheney and uh, Lila Cheney. Thank you. And they discover that she is a mutant who is capable of teleporting 
very large distances. And uh, so she, ta- she she teleports the new mutants back and forth into uh, a Dyson sphere, which is empty, a big civilization where she's planning on populating the Earth because she's got a plot to steal the Earth for some aliens because she's a thief. Oh, my. Inter- or interdimensional thief. Yeah. It, is she uh, human or is she an alien? I believe she's human. Okay. So the aliens that she is uh, dealing with backstab her and plan on imprisoning her and all the humans and the new mutants help and save the day. Um, uh-huh. Sam and Lila are really into each other and they make out a lot. Yes, they do. And she gets him to dress up in punk clothing and he looks ridiculous. The cover of the annual is quite good. That's a Sienkiewicz, yeah. Yeah, nice painted. You got rocker Lila Cheney and you got kind of uh, groupie-esque Sam Guthrie off to her side. Yeah. Yeah, cover. Is it another Star Wars reference? I forget. I, I don't know. It could be. Seems like it. Star Wars is everywhere. Or is that just not, maybe it's not even Star Wars, but like it goes, it goes even further. Maybe it's a Conan reference. Oh, could be, could be. Um, and then in New Mutants number 22, uh, we get some scenes of Nightcrawler training Sam and the use of his power and Colossus training Roberto in, uh, how to, how to, uh, uh, not get hurt. Uh, because even though he's strong, he's not invulnerable like Colossus and Roberto's pretty upset about the whole thing. Um, and actually hurts Colossus a great deal with some as yet unknown power. Hmm. His hands turn all claw-like. Um, we get cut over to a scene of Celine, and she is uh, thinking about joining the Hellfire Club. Ah, uh, okay. And meanwhile, Roberto's father also is getting ready for his initiation. Uh, Rain and Roberto are still suffering from their encounter with Cloak and Dagger, and the rest of the story is a fairy tale that Rain writes that has some very obvious Cloak and Dagger overtones. Remember when they bumped into Cloak and Dagger? Yeah, yeah, I do. And they, and they got injected with drugs? I do. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> um, in ROM Annual Number 3, ROM and Starshine battle Diarrhase that turns out that they, and the Diarrhase that they're battling kidnap a bunch of children, and they turn out to be children themselves. So Ron wants to banish him them because what ROM usually does is his neutralizer gun, he'll shoot the Diarrhase and they'll get banished to like the Phantom Zone or something like that, mm. which is not a Marvel thing. But uh, Starshine, who used to be the woman he loved, uh, a human who got into a ROM costume, just wants to kill them all, even though they're children. She doesn't care. So She's cold as ice. She sure is. Cold as her metallic robot skin. <laughs> the uh, scuffle releases Hybrid. Do you remember Hybrid? Nope. From Rogue's first appearance? Nope. Or, no, from Rogue's first appearance in ROM? Nope. Oh, well, Hybrid is a half-human, half-diorath who has really mean... Okay, vaguely. I actually now vaguely remember that. He also fought Kitty Pride in the X-Men. Okay. In a later issue of ROM. Okay. Anyway, Hybrid takes over the church of the small community where Sam grew up at the same time that the new mutants happen to be visiting. There's a forest fire. It's a pretty cool scene where they all, um, they get to use, they showcase all their powers pretty well. Um, the art of this is actually pretty good. I liked this uh, artistically. And it was well written. Even though it's not a Chris Claremont, it feels very in canon. This is a good representation of all the new mutants. Okay. Like, for instance, we learned that uh, Magic is getting a better hang on her uh, traveling discs. Okay. And not jumping through time accidentally so much. That's good. Uh, there's a lot of speculation about whether any of the other Guthrie children, and let me tell you, there are a lot of Guthrie children, are going to turn out to be mutants. We meet Josh, 
I forget who else we meet, but there are a lot of them. There's like eight of them. Okay. Um, and then the then the place that Rom has been banishing the dire wraiths turns out to be sharing space with Limbo. And so when Hybrid banishes Rom there, Magic is able to rescue him because she goes to Limbo and there he is. It's weird. It's never really explained. There's a throwaway line where it's something like, oh, they're not really the same place, but, you know, places like this are weird. <laughs> uh, hybrid transforms Starshine back to being a human. And um, his plan is to impregnate her and Rain and Magma and Magic. But Starshine, with the help of the professor, is able to kill Hybrid once and for all. Hmm. Finally. <laughs> Well, this is like the third time he's died, so who knows. And then in Power Man and Iron Fist number 110, uh, Power Man and Iron Fist are asked by Jaron Hogarth. Hey, did you watch, uh, what was that show? Um, Jessica Jones? I did. So Jerry Hogarth is played by the Matrix Lady. Jerry Hogarth is played by the, yes, yeah. Yeah, so in... In the Marvel Universe, Jaron Hogarth, who is what the character is based on, is a dude. Oh, okay. And he, uh, his daughter is going to the Manhattan Society debutante cotillion, and he wants Iron Man and Power, Iron Fist and Power Man to escort her. It, of course, gets dam- uh, ambushed, ambushed <laughs> uh, by the Deadly Nightshade, who is, uh, yeah, lame. <laughs> and some bad guys, the heroes for hires beat the bad guys, but they ruin their tuxes. Uh, Jaren Hogarth's ex-wife gets really upset about the whole deal. And the wasp, who is Jaren's date for the night, uh, calls in a favor and Wonder Man and Beast cameo. And one, and Beast says, how come all the girls really like Wonder Man, which is unusual. It's like someone's not reading the Avengers because the girls always like Beast. And tides are turning. <laughs> that's it. Wow. There was so many books I had to write it down because I wouldn't have remembered. <laughs> that's a lot of material, Adam. Yeah, well, I'm trying to save us from having to do like a, one of those one-off episodes where we would just do a bunch of annuals. Yeah. Although these annuals weren't terrible, but I think it's better off this way. Well, next next week we uh, we got that Dazzler graphic now. Oh, I'm probably just going to go on strike. <laughs> I'm probably just not going to. I'll phone it in. I hear it's good. Yeah, everything changes. Everything changes for everybody. <laughs> Anything else, Adam? No, sir. All right then. Well, uh, until next time. My name is Jeremy. My name's Adam. And the danger room is closed. I forgot I was supposed to say something there. <laughs> he was. Strong.